Welcome to Trauma Queen, where we normalize talking about some pretty hard shit. I'm Jaminika Eborn, your certified trauma queen. I've been working with survivors of assault for over a decade. This season, we'll be talking about gaslighting with individuals from different backgrounds, identities, and life experiences. We'll talk about how the experience of psychological and emotional abuse can look different for every relationship. And like always, the focus will be on our journey to healing and finding support. In each episode, I'll give three new resources directly related to the topics we cover. For years, I've seen survivors portrayed without their voices being really heard. This changes now. Let's heal together. Hey y'all, I just want to give you a little heads up. We may be talking about some really hard things, so I want you to take heed and take care of yourself if that means stepping away from an episode, if that means taking notes and looking back at things later, please do whatever you need to do for yourself. I want to shout out our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that connects you with a personal online therapist or counselor. They have hundreds, hundreds of licensed counselors and you can connect with one within 24 hours. Cognitive therapies have been proven to be the leading, most effective treatment for PTSD, anxiety, and childhood trauma. I always recommend first seeking an in-person therapist, especially for crisis situations. But online therapy is also a very affordable and fabulous option. With BetterHelp, you can filter to find exactly what kind of therapist you'd like. And if it doesn't feel right, you can dump them and get a new therapist within 24 hours. You can video chat, talk on the phone, do in-app messaging, and it's available for desktop or mobile. Go to betterhelp.com queen, and that's betterhelp.com q-u-e-e-n to find your personal counselor for as low as $35 a week. Hey, y'all. I am super excited to have uh, the T to my J across from me. Today, we are doing something a little different in this episode. We have a therapist here with us to answer some of your questions and also just get like a different perspective versus just some of our stories. He may also include some of his own stories. I don't know. We're here. We're going to listen together. So can you tell us your name and your pronouns? So my name is Tim Leslie. My pronouns are he and him. Yay, <clears throat> lovely. Um, and I'm going to ask you the same question. I've asked everyone to start this out. What is gaslighting to you? Gaslighting to me, um, both from my personal experience and from working with clients, um, is really kind of like a denial of a person's reality and their own truth. Um, it really can be really kind of insidious because it can really make people just kind of question what actually is happening, um, what's valid. It really makes people just start to not really be able to be sure of their own emotions or um, their own experience or really feel like they're able to connect with anybody because it makes you really isolated. Yeah. Um, And so I wanted you to be here for many reasons. One, because you're one of my favorite people and we literally talk every day of our lives. Also, because you are a therapist and I think it's really important to note, um, you and I talk about this a lot, being like a black male therapist who Mm -hmm. just happens to be gay. I mean, it's whatever. Um, But like being in the world in this space, have you experienced any gaslighting? Yeah, I mean, I think I've experienced it from like a lot of different spheres, Um, whether it's from clients that I've had before, other therapists, I'm in my own personal life from 
some now former friends of mine. Yes. <laughs> um, Let them go. Let <laughs> them I'm not immune to it by um, any stretch of the imagination. Um, usually what it is, I think it's people really saying that I'm not allowed to feel a certain way and then trying to create a kind of a narrative around that. Um, so, you know, if I feel really frustrated because I'm working with the client, maybe that's outside of my expertise and the client's like, well, no, you have to work with me. And, then, you know, everything's OK. You know, it's not really a problem. You're just making it a problem in your head. If you would just do this, this and this, it'd be fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. <laughs> so <laughs> This is not how therapy works. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Um, and so, like, what do you think um, are specific ways? We'll just get into it. So, again, like I said, we have some questions from folks from the social media world, but also, like, I have my own questions. Um, do you think or what do you think there are ways that clients may look or sound when they come in mm-hmm. um, if they have been experiencing gaslighting? A really big one. Um, I'll get clients say like they're in a relationship with somebody and, you know, they're telling me things. I'm already kind of starting to get the inclination that maybe some gaslighting is going on. A big thing is that they'll want to run their conversations by me because they can't trust their own perception of reality. So Mm -hmm. they'll give me screenshots of text messages or they'll say, hey, you know, I said this, this person said this, like, what did you hear? And, you know, to me, I'll listen to it and I'll think like objectively like, oh, yeah, you know, they said this. This is kind of the information you can take from it for them. They're not able to do that. Um, So they really just cannot at all piece together like what's going on. And I feel like that happens just like, I mean, everyday things, like even just regular conversations, Mm -hmm. even it's, and I want to note too, like all relationships look different. And anytime you are having like a connection with someone, it's a form of a relationship. So it's not just like intimate relationships, friendships, families, people you work with, whatever. Um, Is there specific ways to recognize gaslighting? Um, one one like one I try to really instill in a lot of people is that everyone is able to have an opinion. Opinions are not facts. So if you have somebody mm. really try to assert an opinion as if it's facts, <laughs> that's that's a really clear sign. Like, you know, if they say, you know, I think that things should be this way, you know, I think the sky is orange it's l- looking today. And you're like, no, I think it's more reddish. No, it's orange. They really assert it and they really push it. <laughs> that's a sign. That, OK, that's like one thing to kind of look out for, because you're you're both able to see things and have your own perception. And that's OK. Yeah. That you don't agree, but for a person who's gaslighting, it's not okay that somebody doesn't agree with them. It has to be their way. Mm, your way or the highway. Um, do you think there's like any specific type of person that can be susceptible to gaslighting? Hmm. Um, I think some people just naturally tend to be more sensitive. I don't think it's a weakness that people are more sensitive. I actually think it's a gift <laughs> that people can be mostly sensitive and in tune. And we probably need more of those people in the world. But um, I think if you're a little bit more sensitive, uh, just emotionally or to criticism, or maybe you're more prone to want to be people pleasing, um, you kind of get a lot of out of people giving you good feedback and positive feedback. I think people that tend to gaslight are really sensitive and they're really good at picking those people out and singling them out and targeting them. Um, if you're a really helpful kind of a person, someone is really generous and everything because they just want to kind of suck you dry. Mm, damn soul suckers. Have you, um, I know you and I have been talking about this. Do you have anything before I ask more questions? Do you have anything that you just want to share about like gaslighting or anything like that? Um, I think just one thing that's really helpful, I think for a lot of people is again, kind of going back to the idea of, um, I always like to distinguish between observations and judgments, which like a judgment would be like an opinion or, you know, something that you think about something, whereas an observation is something that's really rooted in your five senses, um, to really focus on what it is that you're observing in a situation. If you have those questions, If you see something, you saw it. Like, don't let somebody talk you out of seeing something. If you heard something, you heard it. Like, you know, don't let anyone, like, kind of trying to manipulate the meeting or kind of get in there and try and tweak things and move things around. Really trust your five senses. They're there to help you. Mm -hmm. How would you work with a client that is suffering or dealing with gaslighting? Mm -hmm. Um, So if I go back to the example of someone having sent me a screenshot of, like, you know, play-by-play, they're talking to somebody and the person's trying to convince them of something otherwise... 
I will actually start with the more kind of opinion piece because, you know, sometimes when people have been gas, um, gaslighted, they really start to not only not trust themselves, but they believe the other person more than they believe themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'll go through that piece of it first. This is probably what you're thinking right now from what you've heard. Then I go through, okay, well, this is objectively as someone who's not a part of the situation. This is what I see what happened. Um, this is just what I observed based on five senses, everything that's very rooted in just reality and the very tangible world to kind of get them to kind of get that practice. And I told them to do that on their own too. It's like, you know, just the way we did it here together. I want you just to start to do this yourself when you have your relationships, when you have conversations, even when just when you're navigating the world, like just labeling things and just really affirming for yourself that your five senses are true and that what you're perceiving is accurate. Mm, that's And what if they're like, I mean, that sounds easier than actually doing it. It is. It is easy. It is easier said than done, for sure. That's not something that we do naturally. Um, it is kind of like in the mindfulness realm if people kind of know about mindfulness and everything like that. Um, but I think it's a really important skill to develop. It's like building a muscle like anything else. It's not something you get overnight. It's definitely something that requires practice. And when you start to feel good, that doesn't mean that you stop doing it. It's something that you should just continue to do um, for your own well-being. Are therapists taught how to support people in this space? Because I know trauma is tricky. Like everyone mm-hmm. doesn't know about like trauma or like sexual assault. So I'm like teaching therapists sometimes. Uh-huh. So are therapists taught um, to be like, like keen to sensing these kind of things? What I think therapists are taught is they're taught about domestic violence kind of in general um, or relationship dynamics. And they're taught to validate people, which I think is really important because a lot of people that have been gaslighted need a lot of validation um, for their emotions. So I know they're taught that skill. But as far as specifically like how to recognize this and how to support someone, it may not necessarily be something that people do intuitively. So it's not really directly taught in any schools that I've been aware of. My school didn't do it um, where I was trained um, and not really an internship practices either. Like, I don't really remember anyone specifically saying like, oh, this person might have been gaslighted. Like, and this is how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I think some people develop it naturally. They may be a little bit more intuitive or more kind of in tune with that kind of a thing, maybe because of their own experience. But um, no, I don't think there's any concrete training that I've heard of. What did you do to be able to support clients? Um, I like to use, I mean, I like, I like to use a lot of active listening. I think clients have a lot more power than they realize. So, you know, I do reflect things to people and I really like to mirror their emotion and kind of, you know, really kind of name the emotions. Sometimes they don't have words um, for what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that by itself can be really powerful. Then being able to realize like, oh yeah, you know, I went through the situation and I was afraid or I was angry or, you know, I was whatever else that I felt. So I usually like to start there with really just kind of listening to them and really actually hearing them in the moment. Because sometimes they don't have that experience of someone really being present with them. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a lot. Like, I'm over here like, ah, have I experienced any gaslighting lately? Uh, the answer is yes. Yes. Yes, I have. Uh, a few times. It's just, what is today? Friday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had it like three times this week. <laughs> so it's like, it's it comes up constantly for people. And do you ever talk to your clients about how it may come up in different ways, like even as you're working through it and how it may show up and even in like other relationships, Mm -hmm. like how to process dealing with one issue when something else comes up. When I talk about multiple kind of situations, I'll talk to people about being able to build their boundaries. I'm going to cross different situations. So like you said, it could be a romantic relationship. It could be at work. It could be a family member. It could even be people that you don't really know that well, like strangers can do this to each other um, from time to time too. So I tell people to really monitor kind of like, you know, how much time you're investing. Time is one boundary people don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to, mm-hmm. I think. But like, even if, you know, someone's engaging in this with you, you don't really have to sit there and continue to have the conversation. You know, give yourself the permission to leave and say, I don't want this and to walk away. So time, a time boundary is one thing that I use across different relationships. So, you know, if your boss is kind of going in on you, a lot of different things and you don't really need to have a conversation. OK, you know, thank you for the information. I'm going to go do my job now. 
and walk away. Like you're not being disrespectful by asking for yourself for that space. So boundaries. Can you can you talk a little bit to boundaries? I know we've uh-huh. talked about boundaries on the show before, but like as a, a therapist, like uh-huh. how would you help someone set boundaries? Right, so I tell people that um, you obviously want to have a boundary that's somewhat flexible in some situations. So there should be room for it to be as rigid or as flexible as you want it to be. You don't want to be too flexible to where everybody can walk all over you. That's when I call boundaries really porous. If everything's always a yes and people can take advantage of you. It's not a boundary. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, cool. Yeah. And you also don't want it to be so rigid, obviously. If your boundary is too rigid, then no one's welcome in your life. You're going to be isolated. And that's also painful. So you don't want it to be like so closed off that nobody can get in. Um you want to kind of have a healthy medium. So you want to have the choice of saying yes or no whenever it's going to fit to you. So the way I kind of talk about it with clients is like you have boundaries around your time, around your possession, like any materials, like how you manage physical space, how you manage your sexuality, your intimacy, your emotions, um, intellectually, like what you think about um, your spirituality. It can be a whole bunch of different things that you can set boundaries about. Um, and those boundaries can be for yourself, like how far you're willing to explore those things within yourself or how much you're willing to communicate those things with other people, because you don't need to share everything about yourself with other people if you don't want to. Yeah. I love boundaries. I think Dan and I talked about that on our episode, how boundaries are like my favorite thing. Boundaries and consent. Mm. Do you Those find... Go well Don't they? Thank yeah. you so much. I thought so. <laughs> Do you find that within gaslighting, boundaries and consent come up? Like, mm-hmm. I know we just talked about boundaries, but what about consent? Like, is that a part of gaslighting or like supporting yourself when you're being gaslit? Yeah, I think... I mean, for a lot of people, like if you kind of get in that conversation or that kind of dynamic um, between somebody... On this doing the gaslighting, everything is that you have to kind of think that they really kind of asserted themselves with you without really asking permission. There was no discussion about is this okay mm, yeah. for you to for me to share my opinion with you? Did you actually even want this? Um, so I think that is a really big part of it. Hmm. That's interesting. I guess I never even thought about like the lack of consent. I just <laughs> thought of it, it was like you're a trash human and you're trying to ruin my life um kind of thing yeah because you negotiate consent like you negotiate boundaries you have to have a conversation about that and if the person just kind of comes in and barges in and asserts himself that's not really a negotiation or anything this is like you're gonna do this mm-hmm. and you don't even know you're doing it sometimes mm-hmm. and then you're out here spinning in circles because again the theme of this this season also mm-hmm. uh people are trash <laughs> um, i think we've said that in every episode so far oh, i gotta keep it going okay um, do you have anything else you want to share before we get into these questions? Um, one little, I mean, I guess something else that people can just kind of use something yeah. they can kind of have on their own is I like gifts. to do journaling, um, really just writing things down, kind of what happened in the day and how you reacted to it. Um, it's just really great for building emotional intelligence, a lot of research around that, but I think it's just good to be able to kind of keep a record of your experience because some days are better than others. And if you have good days and you did something that was really helpful for you, and, you know, maintaining your boundaries or, you know, if there was a time where you really um, honored the idea of consent and you negotiated something with somebody really well, it's good to be able to look back on that and to pull from those strengths. Because I think people use their strengths a lot of the times outside of their awareness and they don't remember it because they remember all the bad things that happen because, mm. you know, your brain's trying to keep you safe. Damn, those bad things. I'm I'm definitely one of those people that the words, and you and I talk about this, I'd be like, the words just like won't stop going in my head. Mm-hmm. I also should probably delete text messages because I'll just keep reading them and processing them. <laughs> you brought up emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what that is? So people will disagree on this. There's a lot of different definitions Ooh, I love and everything. <laughs> tell me. Well, I think of this as like, you know, people having not only a capacity for empathy, right? Obviously being able to identify what somebody else is feeling or what you're also feeling, but also being able to um, really respond appropriately to what those emotions are. 
Because you're right, it's one thing to acknowledge that somebody is frustrated and then to continue doing what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing entirely to say, okay, this person's angry. Like, maybe they need some kind of support for um, calming down. Maybe I need to leave them alone. Maybe I need to just talk it out, you know, just kind of vent and I can just be here for them. And, you know, not really impose myself on them. So I think that's a really big piece for me of what emotional intelligence is. Recognizing what it is and also knowing what to do. I'm into it. Okay, well, let's get into these questions, All shall right. we? Um, Dan and I posted some questions on the interwebs and we got a lot of questions that we were like, oh, wow, this is a lot. But also it's, I think you and I talked about like the fact that there's so many people asking these questions. It's like, is there a lack of information or support out there Mm -hmm. to have these things answered? So let's, and a lot of the questions were very similar, which was also interesting to me. So let's start out with the first question. How do you deal with parents who are gaslighting your children or their children? Okay. Yeah, I know that happens probably more frequently than I would like to ever admit. Um, I'll answer this in a few different ways, because, I mean, there's some children, obviously, that don't really have a choice and they're living with their parents. Um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of tell them again, this is probably going to be more of an internal process if you're living with them, because I don't want to put anybody in harm's way by challenging somebody's gaslighting, because, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen, like if they're going to get violent or something's going to kind of get stirred up in them. Um, I tell people is like, you know, as much as possible to try and do what you need to do to survive. And so you're able to leave the situation. So you can acknowledge what the person is saying without actually believing it, knowing that you have your um, truth and just really holding that for yourself, doing what you need to do to get through the situation. Cause I would rather somebody survive a situation, get out of it and heal later than put themselves in immediate danger. What um, if they're adult children? Yeah. So if they're adults and you have the flexibility to kind of leave and kind of do things like that, I think you have a little bit more, a little bit more leeway. Or a little bit more freedom to kind of push it back because you're not going to be in a, like a situation like a child where a child might end up getting abused mm-hmm. by an adult. Um, I think there's opportunity to kind of challenge somebody or at least to very much just kind of state the facts. So if someone's arguing with you and they're asserting their opinion, I would tell adults to respond with the fact and respond with something objective. Okay, you know, I hear that this is how you feel about it. These are the, these are the things that happened. Um, this is just kind of describe the event to them. You don't necessarily need to push it or say that they're wrong, but just kind of describe the event to them just as a way of kind of like pushing back a little bit so they understand that, no, you're not going to push me into believing what you're going to do. You're not going to recruit me into this. Um, Because I think adults need to be empowered to use their power Mm -hmm. um, a little bit more more so than children. Children need to be kept safe. And that's a whole other um, kind of a thing. So it's a different dynamic there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an amazing answer. And also just reminding yourself, like, sometimes you have to take that leap and set boundaries. I know with with, uh, my mom... I had to set boundaries because every time I would walk in the house, she'd be like, you gain weight or you lost weight. And then I was like, look, these are things we won't be discussing anymore. She's like, but I, I said, no, no, I don't care what your but I is. I am mm-hmm. telling you where we are because this makes me do a thing. And then I think I'm crazy. And then I go back to eating disorder brain and we mm-hmm. don't need those problems. So, okay. How do, or how can you break out of the paranoid cycle after years of being gaslit? Um, for that, I think what's helpful, I always think of like, not only, I don't like to put a lot of responsibility on the individual person, because um, I think that by itself can kind of recreate some of the issues that maybe happened when they were in the past relationship. I like to focus on their environment. So I really start asking people, like, who are the people that are around you? Like your close group of friends or your chosen family, however you want to call it. And are those people supportive of you? Like, do they build you up? Do they give you a lot of validation? Do they just kind of support you? Because for a lot of people, they're not able to do that on their own to really recognize kind of what's going on in reality, kind of what's happening. But they may really trust, you know, their, their best friend or the people they talk to all the time. So if they're able to lean on those people for a while and kind of get them to validate for them, like, yeah, this is what actually happened. Um, they're able to provide that support for them until they're able to do it themselves. So like checking in with your friends mm-hmm. and just having that constant reminder, because for a while you will have to possibly check in with people and be like, hey, 
I think I'm good, but also like, you know, things have been crazy. Can you just support me and tell Mm -hmm. me what's really going on? I think that's also helpful just to have people around you that are like, you're not crazy. Mm -hmm. I got you. I see you. Right, because it's unfortunate, like you said, with all the questions you got, that everyone doesn't always have access to a therapist to be able to bounce ideas. Because a lot of clients will do that with me. They'll ask me, like, hey, you know, Tim, this is what we want to end in our last interaction. Like, is is my perception of this accurate? And yeah, yeah, it's accurate. Yeah, it makes sense that you're afraid, you're frustrated. But, you know, if they don't have access to a therapist, then really close friends are a really good alternative. Yeah, as long as they're also a little, you know, stable. Yes. Supportive (laughs) supportive friends that are stable. Mm -hmm. Because if y'all are both spinning out together. Oh, no. That's awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's Tasmanian devil situations. Um, This is an interesting question. What causes people to gaslight in general? Um, My own idea. I mean, I think some people might be, they might have some narcissistic traits. So they might have the actual full-blown narcissism. Definition time, y'all. Narcissism. Narcissism is excessive self-involvement that causes a person to ignore the needs of others. Almost everyone occasionally engages in narcissistic behavior. People with narcissistic personality disorder have personalities characterized by intense self-involvement and chronic disregard for others. They may neither notice nor care about the effects of their narcissism on others. The right therapist, however, can help people with NPD understand the harmful effects of narcissism, including to themselves. Therapy can help a person with NPD understand and prioritize the needs of others, repair broken relationships, and cultivate empathy. Um, as an actual disorder, um, because gaslighting is a form of manipulation, so narcissists like to do it, like manipulate people to get their needs met, and that's what their trademark is. So a lot of them could be narcissists. Um, and I think, too, kind of like with narcissism, some people can become narcissists because they were exposed to when we were younger. I think people that have been gaslighted in the past could possibly gaslight themselves in the future, like if they've experienced it. Mm-hmm. And they saw that as a way of, like, something of strength or, you know, to get what you want or a way to navigate a relationship. You know, especially if you're children, you know, you see your parents and you see this kind of dynamic. Mm. That's your first relationship that you really observe. And if you think that's normal, then you just go and duplicate that because you don't know better. Yeah, so it's like... The trauma continues, the Mm -hmm. cycle. Like, can you speak to, before we get to the next question, like the trauma cycle a little bit? Yeah, um, I think a lot lot of things get passed down um, through families and a lot of things are really unspoken, like, you know, the trauma and everything. Um, So say, you know, you had a grandmother that was in a relationship and with someone, you know, there was a really traumatic relationship, you know, her kids kind of observed it. Um, There's a possibility that people, like if she has children, that one of those children is going to go out and they might traumatize people because in their mind, they're like, oh, this is what people do in relationships is that you have to get the other person to do what you want. Another person might become really isolated because they're kind of like, oh, I can't trust people because this is a really dangerous situation. And But both of them carry those experiences with them. And if they ever have children or they interact with people, they pass those ideas on um, through the future generations. So it just kind of keeps duplicating itself unless you get that one person that says, no, I'm going to question this and challenge it. Something's not right here. I want to do something different. Yeah, you have to break that cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, or is it like documented? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've really done too much research to see if gaslighters can change. I haven't heard much research um, in that area either. Um, I probably tend to be a little bit more on the optimistic side. I mean, I think there's probably really extreme cases of people that probably just, they're beyond help. Um, yeah. I think it probably depends on how the person came to gaslighting. Cause I don't think necessarily somebody is born and this is something they just start doing. I think it's something that's learned to an extent. So depending on how they learned it and the, you know, the context kind of around that, I think some people are probably a little bit more malleable and they can be changed. And some people it probably just really fixed. Like if they, if they don't see the reason or the gain for getting rid of it, then they just won't give it up. 
I, I'm going to ask this question and also I, I kind of like get, it frustrates me sometimes when people put like mental illness on everything, but do you think that there is a somewhat attachment of mental illness? I don't think everyone that's a gaslighter is mentally ill. So mm-hmm. let me say that right now. <laughs> um, but do you think that there is like some form of like a connection? Yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, kind of to your point of mental, mental illness, um, I think everybody has ways of kind of navigating the world in some ways, like they, they serve a function. I'll put it that way because mm-hmm. everything can kind of serve a function or a purpose. It doesn't mean that it's a healthy function, but it'll get Accurate. a goal accomplished. Accurate. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably what I would consider like in the mental health realm is that they're doing something. This is a strategy they've developed to navigate the world and to get their needs met. And it's just not the healthiest one. And they may not have the awareness to realize that they have other options yeah. aside from terrorizing people. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of terrorizing people. <laughs> um, Someone asked, how do I trust myself and my own memory ever again? Trust yourself and what was the last part? And their own memory their again. Their own memory. Okay. Um, I, what I tell people is at some point, I think that it's good to kind of consider your narrative right now in the present and what it is that you want to build in the future. Um, so it, it may be something where you have to get some places of acceptance that, you know, I may not ever really be clear on what happened in the past. Like I may not really fully recover memory. Our brains aren't really like tape recorders where you just plug an event in and it just recalls it naturally. Um, they can get distorted by your emotions or by different experiences or what people told you. So it might be a thing of like, okay, well, this is how I'm going to go forward in recording my memory and, you know, keeping hold of the things that are really important to me. And I'm going to develop the strategy to take me through to the future. Mm-hmm. Is there, um, I, I know it, like in following up with that is like, how much should you trust your gut? Like after like going through all this and you're like, I thought I knew things and then it turns out maybe I didn't know all the things. And then it, now it's like, but how can I trust myself mm-hmm. after all of this? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a big one for a lot of people because some people are more naturally intuitive. Um, some people are very much like scientists, like they need to see everything tangibly in the environment. They mm-hmm. need to just observe everything. If they can't touch it, they don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those things, obviously, you know, they're subject to interpretation. Intu- intuition, though, is especially sensitive to your experiences. If you have a certain emotion or something happens, your intuition can come to be wrong at something from, time, um, from some point in time if you have a lot of negative experiences. But that doesn't mean that it can't swing back the other way. Um, there, you, but the way to kind of build intuition, I kind of tell people is to use it for smaller things. So you may not want to use it for something big, like what's going on at work or something. It can be like, you know, what your next meal is going to be like intuitively. Oh, I think I need this much food. I'm going to start there with something really small and then kind of build up from there. Cause then you can start to have trust in your intuition and with positive experiences. In addition to building it up, you can kind of start to trust it again. It'll start to be more accurate. I'm um, over time to so start small, build up to it. Don't just jump out the gate. Like, I feel like I can, you're like, Whoa, this seems like life changing. <laughs> so start small. I yeah. think that's, that's great. Um, can you explain to someone that they're gaslighting you or do, or does it make them gaslight you more? It's a two part mm. question. Someone dropped off. Can you explain to someone that they're gaslighting you? I think, Rather than using the word gaslight, because in case somebody's familiar with it and they may kind of have a reaction to it, um, saying you have a difference of opinion or, you know, like this doesn't feel good. Even saying like that, like, you know, I don't like the way this feels. This is hurtful. Using things like that, I think is a little bit more effective than saying like, oh, this person's gaslighting me um, because that speaks more to your experience. And, you know, if you get a really negative response to that, obviously, that's a whole other issue. You need to address that. But um, I think that's really helpful to really stick with the emotion. It does put you in a vulnerable place. I get this a lot from my clients when I ask them to do this. Like, oh, I'm so vulnerable. I can't, I'm like, I understand it makes you vulnerable, but it's also necessary that you have to kind of be kind of in this space and you have support. Like, you know, we can kind of talk about this. We can process it. You can process it with somebody else if you can't get a hold of me right away. But I really like I really need for people to kind of acknowledge what the actual feeling is, because that's the part of the healing process as well. Being able to say, I feel this way because of this experience and this is true like I don't care what you say about it, it is real mm-hmm. do, do you find that like when people 
And of course, when someone you approach, not not of course, but like a lot of times if you approach someone, you're like, you're doing this thing to me and this is how it makes me feel. They get very defensive. Mm-hmm. Do you find like that like shuts them down? Like, do they in turn continue doing the activity because they're already in denial? For some people, I think, yeah, they if you say like, um, like what I would use is like an I feel statement, like what I kind of was just kind of describing right now. A lot of people will kind of think like, oh, you're saying that, you know, I caused this of you. And like you said, they might kind of get into the cycle they get in their head. It's really helpful to remind them like, no, my emotions are about me. This is my experience. Mm-hmm. I'm not accusing you of anything. This is this is my emotional experience. You don't get to take this away from me by saying it's about you, because in a way that's kind of manipulative in its own way. Mm. If someone says like, oh, you know, I feel hurt. Oh, you're just saying that because blah, blah, blah. That's also a manipulation in and of itself. It's the cycle of buffoonery. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> um. Is there like a uh, maybe like a drop off when you're suddenly like, oh, shit, is there like a, a time or a way to know that you're being gaslit? Um, I think if you really start to feel like you have to have the other person kind of narrate the experience for you, like if they're the ones that have to tell you what's real and what isn't, mm. or you feel like you need to defer to them all the time before you decide something. Um, I think that's a kind of a real clear sign that something's kind of going on, because obviously you, if you're in a romantic relationship or a friendship, sure, you may want to check in with somebody and kind of see if things are okay. But if you feel like you have to do it, it's an obligation and you're really anticipating they're going to have this really big reaction. If you don't do it, then I think that's a really clear indication that, like, hey, maybe this thing's off. I need to, like, look at this a little more. Hmm. Can you undo the damage done by a gaslighter? I think you can heal from gaslighting. I mean, I think... All of us, I mean, we all have experiences in the world, right? Like, you kind of grow up, you have these things, you're always shaped by your experience. So I don't want to say that you're going to completely erase ever having been gaslighted before, but I think you can heal and become a, a person, like a stronger person out of the experience. Yeah. Um, in the context of, you know, kind of what happened and everything. Do you think that people can gaslight themselves? Mm-hmm. What does yeah. that look like? Um. I might see, I think I see this a lot with people that are either really anxious or there's like some self-esteem concerns kind of happening and everything is that, you know, they may have this idea in their head that they're not attractive and they'll really talk themselves um, out of really taking in any kind of positive information about themselves. And they really just kind of feed themselves all these stories and all these narratives about like how everything is awful, everything is wrong. And, you know, then they kind of counter themselves and they kind of have this back and forth kind of going in their head about something that maybe wouldn't really bother somebody else. Um, and that could either come from them being gaslit by somebody else or some people, I think, just, again, they just really have a kind of disposition about them that they just don't really have a lot of sense of trust um, in their own, their own, like, being, in their own sense of, like, their intuition and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, I feel like, for me, like, I think I struggle with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it also kind of seems, like, similar to, like, gaslighting yourself. What would be the difference in that? I think those two actually are really similar. Oh, like, with imposter no. syndrome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no y'all <laughs> oh no um yeah right because like i think again it's like this idea that like you know because I, I work in a community college for part of the work that i do so a lot of the students will come there a lot of them are from minority communities or you know they're from the lgbtq plus um kind of arena and they feel like they're not supposed to be there mm-hmm. because either they receive that message directly or indirectly from society that you know they're not deserving of these accomplishments or things that they've had and it's like well, well who told you that that's actually true like of course you deserve to be here you're here mm. somebody decided that you were worthy and you're valuable and you made it in so like i think that's one thing is posture syndrome can kind of turn into gaslighting because you know somebody else told you oh, everything is great but you told yourself no it's not like you know i could be gone here at any moment that's wild damn it <laughs> do i be talking myself out of things do i i don't know <laughs> Sometimes, I don't know, manager Dan's over there laughing at me. Tim's looking at me like he knows. I don't know, y'all. <laughs> this is rough. Um, can you explain 
like as we're getting more into like I think we're done with the question. So let's just talk back worldly. <laughs> um, like how can like society gaslight people? Because mm-hmm. I feel like society, especially being black, queer, and a woman, I feel that every every damn day. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of actually a lot of it, unfortunately, is going on right now. Like you kind of mentioned these different intersecting identities that you have. There's been a lot of talk in the media about like sexual assault things, um, police brutality, police brutality against certain races, um, stuff that goes on politically between the like the different um, political parties and everything. And that All those can be different forms of gaslighting. Like, you know, it can be anything simple as like this person got five million votes. No, they got three thousand. Like something like that is like gaslighting. <laughs> like, like, no, there's an actual number, but no, no, it was not. It's not right. Or no, you know, black people aren't really being targeted by the police. Like, it's not really a thing. You just need to get over it. Like that kind of stuff, too. This, these are really subtle things that happen, um, but they're really big things. And I think people don't really realize the impact of their words when they say things like that, because it's not just the person they're talking to on the TV. It's the millions of people that are watching it at that point in time. And even if they don't believe the person or they don't like them, it still affects them. Damn that, just like that raggedy man who we won't say his name that somehow got elected to be the president. Ugh. Um, and it's interesting, like, how it affects everyone, especially, like, the bigger global aspect. Mm-hmm. Do you think social... Ooh, I just made this up. Okay, let's do it. How Do you think that social media has hurt us more with gaslighting or the ability to be gaslit more? Yeah, I think social media, social media can be really dangerous um, in a lot of ways. I've, I have, what I have noticed is a lot of people have been protecting themselves. Um, I see this a lot with political affiliation, with if they have people that are on the other end of the spectrum and they keep picking fights and arguing, they remove them from social media, and that's their way of kind of holding a boundary. Um, what I think the, re- the difficulty with social media, though, I think what happens is that people end up developing these really extreme ideas, whether it's on one end of the spectrum or the other. And they end up, because of all this kind of like gaslighting stuff that's going on, they isolate themselves from alternative opinions that might have some truth to them. And they kind of end up in this kind of like echo chamber of people just kind of all think like exactly the way they do and kind of do whatever. And then I think to some point ends up being hurtful. Like it it really ruins your ability to be able to um, connect with other people. And I think just human connection is really powerful and can be really healing if both of you are kind of in this in the right headspace um, for it to happen. Um, And I think that's that's the role that social media has. It really changes the way that you connect to people and the way you kind of form and maintain your relationships. And that's really damaging, I think, for people that are trying to navigate this world of like trauma and gaslighting. God damn it. It's been a very long year, Um, (laughs) y'all. So let's talk about something a little lighter. I mean, kind (laughs) of. Let's talk about like the healing aspect. Like how do we get better or like get to a better place Mm -hmm. from this bullshit? I kind of tell people, like, you know, there's only so many things that you're able to do within the present moment. I think if you kind of, like, again, with that idea of taking things a step at a time and kind of breaking things down into chunks that are really manageable, um, if you can really get yourself into the present moment and say, okay, you know, yes, I feel this way, but, you know, what is my goal? What is it that I want to achieve? If you give yourself something to orient towards as far as a goal and you say, okay, you know, I have this goal in my mind. Now that I'm being mindful and I'm in the present moment, what am I able to take as a possible step right now in this moment? Can I do something to get me closer to that goal? If you can do something, by all means, take that action. If you can't do something right now, but you can do something in five hours or like two weeks, then okay, you know, I have an agenda for myself now. This is what I'm planning for. It doesn't actually serve me to keep thinking about this right now if I can't do anything Mm -hmm. about it in this present moment. I can just accept that, you know, I don't feel good right now, but it's not going to be forever. Every present moment is different. Oh, you know what? This is one question. (laughs) And we're kind of like, this is weird. Um, What would you say if... (laughs) If someone came to you and was like, I think my therapist is gaslighting me. Um, what I tell people, I mean, obviously, I'm in California. We're really 
lucky here because there's a, a whole abundance. Like we there's probably too many of us. Overly saturated with too many of us here. <laughs> um, if you're in a place like California, I'll tell you, there, there are a dime a dozen here. Pick another therapist. You don't have to stay with them. Um, if you're in a place where it's a little bit um, more difficult to find somebody, I know there's certain states, like I know Nevada is really hard to find a therapist there. And there's other states where because of insurance reasons or maybe the type of profession that's there, there may not be people that are adequately kind of equipped to give the kind of support that you need. Um, I would still say, you know, it's better that you leave that therapist than stay in that relationship unless you feel comfortable confronting them. Because you can also confront a therapist. Sometimes people, people, like you said, they gaslight and they don't know they're doing it. Like they may, they may have been in retention and you can kind of have a dialogue about it. And it can actually be pretty healing if you confront your therapist and tell them like, hey, you know, you said this last session and, you know, this really brought something up for me and it felt this way. They might say, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't realize I did that. You know, they can process it. If they give the reaction, they're kind of like, no, I didn't mean that. And they're kind of really, you know, rude about it and everything. That gives you the answer you need. That's your last session at that point if they do that. So you say goodbye. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the power, I know that I just get more questions and I'm so glad you're here to ask them too. <laughs> um, power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Is there always a different power dynamic when dealing with someone gaslighting you? Um, I think there can be, um, for sure. There can definitely be a power dynamic. Um, I think a lot of what happens with a lot of people that gaslight is they take advantage of an existing power dynamic. So mm. if they're the breadwinner or they're the one for whatever reason that's able to really provide for the person and, you know, take care of them, provide support, they may be able to use that to their advantage and that kind of create, creates kind of a situation. Um, but I have seen the other way around too. The person who maybe isn't really earning anything, they don't contribute anything, they don't earn money, like, you know, they're not doing anything and they can gaslight someone who's more successful than them. Because, again, people have these different, like, self-esteem things going on, or they may be more vulnerable because they want to take care of somebody. Um, so it can kind of go both directions. Hmm. So there literally is no way <laughs> to be like, you are a gaslighter, I see you, because like, they show up in so many different forms mm-hmm. and in different spaces. Um, can you tell us, because you also are a therapist of yes. one of our sponsors, BetterHelp. Yes. Can you tell us, like, if there's any difference in, like, sitting down with a therapist versus just having someone that can be readily available to you and is there a difference in the support yeah so um, i think with services like um, better help like with online therapy i mean the good idea about it obviously is that you can send a message to your therapist and hear back in hours as opposed to having wait a week um to have your session um the support might look a little bit different if you're writing somebody a message versus you know, if you're sitting across from somebody like having a video session or sitting face to face um but a therapist is still a therapist i mean they still have their knowledge they have their training so they might be able to give you at least a little bit of feedback mm-hmm. um, in a moment that could be helpful um so i think Sources like online therapy um, can be really beneficial for that reason, Um, because you might need somebody just to kind of like, hey, you know, the situation happened. You know, I just kind of want to hear your opinion really quickly about it. Give them a little five minute answer. And that can be really powerful. It doesn't necessarily need to be an hour processing um, everything. Mm -hmm. And I know there's been a thing. And and Dan and I have been talking about this. Are all the therapists on BetterHelp legit therapists? Are they all licensed? Um, to my knowledge, the therapists, all there are knowledge. Um, they're all licensed. So the way, obviously, it's difficult to know because it's all over the nation. But um, the therapists have ways of communicating with each other. So like, we have our own forums where, you know, we might consult each other on cases or BetterHelp might send an announcement out on the forum saying like, hey, you know, we're doing this change in the platform and I want all of you to know. Uh, so because of that, you can kind of interact with people and you see the names of the people that are um um, responding to the posts and everything. And your license is a matter of public record. So if you have any doubt whatsoever that somebody's licensed, you can go search that or you can call the board and find out. Um, California's board is really easy to navigate. If you search your name on the it board, is. you can verify their license and you can do that at any board in any state. Boom. Because Google can be what? Your free best friend. Mm-hmm. I love Googs. Googs and I yeah, are best Google's friends. difficult. I really emphasize absolutely call the board. The board of behavioral sciences is there to actually support the consumer more than they are the therapist. It's true. 
they they give zero f's <laughs> about everyone else um that's great i'm so excited for this conversation is there any like last few things like healing wise that you could offer to someone that's listening to this and they're like oh there's actual therapists that care and like can tell me things um, yeah, I'll say like, obviously, like you, um, you mentioned, like if you have a therapist, you're able to reach out, whether it's online or in person, absolutely reach out to the resource. You don't need to be in therapy for years and years and years to get any kind of benefit. Actually, research says after about eight sessions worth of therapy, you start to improve mm. and you start to get gains. So don't feel like you need to stay forever to get any kind of benefit because um, all money's an issue. Like everyone can't afford just to be in therapy indefinitely. Therapy's um, a privilege. Yeah. Um, but if you can't have a therapist, I also tell people like, you know, if you're feeling like, you know, obviously if you're suicidal, there's crisis text lines and suicide hotline. There's also warm lines for if you're not suicidal, where people are just trained to be active listeners and to be able to support you. And there's warm lines in different states. They have different numbers. So look, if you Google warm line, um, you should be able to find something that you'd be able to call. And, you know, obviously it's not going to be a substitute for therapy, but sometimes you just need somebody to hear you out. Yeah. Look at that. That's a bonus resource, y'all. That That is a bonus. You are welcome. Um, so this has been a magical conversation, and I really hope that people sit down and can take this all in and be like, oh, I didn't think about this. Oh, well, he knows a thing, so maybe I will try this. So thank you for being here. Is there anything or any way that people can like work with you? Um, yeah, so like um, Jen mentioned, I do work on BetterHelp as an online platform. Um, I don't have a physical private practice right now because, like I said, I'm working at a community college and just for we got relationship issues. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have a private practice and have a student create a conflict of interest or anything like that. Um, but if you want to work with me online, if you search my name, Tim Leslie, um, licensed marriage and family therapist or LMFT, you should be able to see a link to my BetterHelp profile. And then mm. you can work with me directly that way or any other therapist um, on BetterHelp. Beautiful. And as promised, since Tim already gave a bonus resource, I have three more for you. And the first is going to be glbtqdvp.org, which is the Gay Men's Domestic Violence Project, which is a grassroots nonprofit organization founded by a gay male survivor of domestic violence and developed through the strength, contributions, and participation of the community. Second, we have futureswithoutviolence.org. Futures has been providing groundbreaking programs, policies, and campaigns that empower individuals, organizations, working to end violence against women and children around the world. Striving to reach new audiences and transform social norms, Futures trains professionals such as doctors, nurses, judges, and athletic coaches on improving responses to violence and abuse. They also work with advocates, policymakers, and others to build sustainable community, leadership, and educate people everywhere about the importance of respect and healthy relationships. And last but not least, IPVHealth.org. This site's created by Futures Without Violence in an online toolkit with resources for all health providers, not just physicians, as well as advocates. And as always, thank you for taking the time to sit down and listen with us. I hope you were able to take something away and also utilize the resources. Until next time. Support for Trauma Queen brought to you by BetterHelp and, of course, you. If you'd like to become a monthly supporter, just click the link in any podcast episode description to support. Support our work. We are queer. We are trans. We are Black. We are POC. We are survivors. Our recommended donation is $9.99, but you can donate for as low as 99 cents a month. And as always, I have to give a shout out to the people that make this podcast what it is. And we can all be found on Instagram. Podcast artwork by Zoe Loves, Z O 
I-E-L-O-V-E-S, engineered and edited by Andy Alseri. A-N-D-Y-A-L-S-E-R-I, produced by Boy God King, B-O-Y-G-O-D-K-I-N-G, and me, I'm your host, Jimanika, J-I-M-A-N-E-K-I-A.